0: My name is Ember Kelly. I am the Director of Religious Education at the Fourth Universalist Society. I use she and her pronouns. It's so good to be here with you all tonight. And I'm so excited for the second in our four, currently four, possibly adding a fifth even, uh, but the second of four uh, religion and socialism speakers as part of a speaker series we're doing here at the Fourth Universalist Society. Um, It's so good to have you here. And I just want to promo our upcoming uh, so upcoming we have uh, next week, same time, same place, uh, Organizing as Practical Theology with Ben Haney. And then a few weeks from now, same time, same place, um, Loneliness, Capitalism, and Religion uh, with Rafael Diaz. Um, and uh, since you are here, I'm assuming you already did the sign up and knew how to get there. but. At slash socialism where we will also keep a copy, a recording of these um, talks. We already have uh, Talia's from last week about uh, futures of religion and socialism is on there as well. Uh, and so I am so excited for tonight's event uh, for thinking about Buddhism and socialism with Ravi Talati. And I am just uh, excited to learn. This is not an uh, intersection of religion and socialism that I know really anything about, so I am excited to be here to learn as much as I am to moderate and administrate. And so, Ravi, I will hand it over to you.
1: Really? Yeah, I just want to say it's a real, real honor to be invited to speak today. Um, as you can tell, I mean, it's, it's midnight here in the UK, um, so you can tell I'm passionate about this. Um, it's, it's, it's one of these things that really interests me, obviously, as, as someone who is a socialist and who is religious, you know, the intersections of socialism and religion, but there's not many, I've, I've come across a lot of religious socialists, but it's not something that I see talked about much, so I, I'm really happy that this is this is happening. Um, I've got a little presentation as well, so I'm just going to share my screen. Right, so I'll just, uh, just a little bit about myself, just so you're all... Um, know a little bit about me i'm from manchester in, the, in in england um best city on the planet in my opinion i know a lot of you will be uh, new yorkers and probably quite passionate about your city but i'm afraid manchester is is the greatest city on the planet um by trade i'm a software engineer uh, please don't ask me about your it it problems i um not that kind of person um political i am on a bit of a break at the moment but um i am also quite politically active in my spare time Um have been for a lot of my 20s and i'm going to talk a lot about that in a second um i would call myself a communist so there's a little bit of debate amongst socialists you know what what terms do we have and lots of people have different opinions um i strongly i prefer the term communist just because um uh, you know, Marxist works as well, but I think Marx wouldn't have really enjoyed the term Marxist. I think, you know, he always said that ideas, philosophy come from people, from the masses. I think communism is a much more accurate way to describe something. I mean, you wouldn't call a biologist a Darwinist or a, a physicist a Newtonist. So I, to me, yeah, I prefer the term communist. Um, I'm also a not very good one, but I am a Buddhist Um I've very recently uh, sort of converted um, about two years ago. Um, did my formal refuge ceremony last year, um, and even though I'm not, I, I don't meditate as much as I should. Um, I am very passionate about Buddhism and its philosophy, and I enjoy talking about it as much as I as much as I can. Uh, yeah, and in my spare time, you know, I'm also constantly sort of studying other religions learning about theology history um you know very very casually i'm not uh, an expert or an academic or anything like that uh, i just thought i'd add on the end if i you know the the beanie and the the scraggly writing on my shirt and give it away i'm a metalhead as well big big into into heavy metal so yeah do hit me up if if you are as well i definitely could talk a lot about um the overlap between buddhism and heavy metal So to start off with, so just just to give you a rundown, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, myself first. I know that um, I will talk about Buddhism and socialism for a little bit, but I just wanted to give some, you know, some background when I start talking about my um, ideas um, later on. So you've got an idea of my experiences and, you know, why I've come to the conclusion that I have. So my history as a as a socialist a communist uh, whatever you want to call it um when I was a kid um wasn't that politically minded I mean most kids aren't um I'm quite surprised though having come across a few um you know work with a few socialist youth organizations you know I'm surprised at how um increasingly left-wing um a lot of teenagers are these days. But at at the time, I I didn't really know much about politics, but my parents were very, very politically minded. Um, I'd say they're quite liberal, um, always voted Labour, um, always had very strong opinions and always made sure to educate me on politics and explain things to me. Um, My mum, especially, you know, gave me a really good sense of sort of justice and fairness um, and you know that I think that contributed a lot to, you know, me becoming a socialist later on, and of course I would then, uh, uh, live through nine eleven and the New Labour government, and you know, start. I was I was actually born a Muslim. I was raised Muslim, um. So nine eleven especially had a big impact on me, and I started really, um. Showing me sort of the aspects of racism and, you know, in, in front of me in real time um, and sort of imperialism as well. You know, I've always been imperialism has always been something that's I've been quite aware, aware of. Going on to school, I would then learn about the USSR, Palestine and Ireland. And um, that really helped develop me politically. Um, you know especially the USSR I mean I was was suddenly hearing about um the situation where you know workers who had been oppressed for ages you know basically set up their own sort of self-governance and you know overthrew the government and it gave me this idea you know started to give me this idea that you know there, there are other systems of governance out there and I was learning about um Ireland and Palestine. Ironically, the um the module was on terrorism, but it, it it made me very sympathetic to their struggles actually, because you know these people were trying to reclaim their 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 countries, basically their homelands. So, you know, suddenly I was learning a lot more about imperialism and and the role it played in politics, and you know, especially especially the Irish. And to this day, you know, the the Irish struggle is is definitely something I'm very very sympathetic to. But I I wouldn't say I was still, um, uh, I wouldn't say I was a socialist at this time. I didn't really know much. In fact, um, actually, around about the age of 16, I considered myself um, a Liberal Democrat, as in the Liberal Democrat Party. But that was just because I really didn't like New Labour. I knew I didn't like Labour because I didn't like New Labour. didn't like Blair, didn't like Gordon Brown. Um, And Liberal Democrats were the only sort of alternative I knew. Um so i went I went on this way for quite a while um went through uni um uni you know I'd come across a few left wingers and stuff but I didn't really have any strong opinions and then brexit happened and I think brexit was a big turning point in a lot of young people's lives here. I actually <laughs> I funnily enough I voted remain, but um I would say I'm actually now. On the opposite side of the fence, you know, I'm pro-Brexit, but Brexit really is where I started to lose faith in the sort of current system of governance and started to look for alternatives. You know, the debate was just awful on both sides, you know, basically had the choice between sort of the existing neoliberal system, which just expected us to vote for it just because, and then the Brexit side, which was full of, you know, anti-immigration, nationalism um just a lot of toxicity and you know the, the sort of um result of brexit you know the increase in sort of attacks on immigrants and things like that just yeah it i i knew that something was really really wrong and at this point you know I, this is when i started to look into alternatives and that's when i came across um the communist manifesto um i know a lot of there's a lot of marxists out there who don't recommend it as a beginner's book for some reason um but i i really rate it i think it's a fantastic piece of literature and for me it was a huge turning point i mean you know i was i was i read through it i was like this this is all correct you know the world is made of of, um two classes you know there is an oppressive but it all made sense and oh yeah history does work like that history makes so much more sense when you when you Talk about class um, struggle. So you know, this is when I started to start looking into you know socialist theory and things like that. I think for quite a while, mm-hmm. <laughs> I called myself a, a thought of myself as an anarchist for a while. Um, but that you know, I started to read a bit more, and um, I wouldn't. Yeah, I am. I, I do like some some anarchist texts. You know, uh, I definitely like Kropotkin, um, for example. But um, I definitely say I'm a Marxist. Definitely, I read you know I read a lot of Lenin at that point, um, state and revolution, particularly. Um, so that that really brought me to you know being more of a sort of more Marxist side of things. So of course um, at that point, you know, I was like, I've, I've read all this theory. What what do I do? So, um, you know, since then I've been I've worked with a few socialist organisations, worked with a few. Anti-austerity campaigns specifically worked with trade unions, and done a little bit of um, sort of anti-fascist work as well. And the trade unions and the socialist organisations—you know—this was the first time I would be, you know, I would meet other workers, you know, face to face, have proper political com- uh, conversations, and that really helped deliver uh, develop my uh, political opinions. I have today um, the trade union work, especially you know I've I've learned so much from that, and you know learning you know that really it's not all so glamorous you know socialism is 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 it's not all red flags and storming you know parliament or storming you know government buildings it's this um you know it's it's a lot of admin work and it's it's quite it can be quite boring at times quite tedious a lot of meetings and voting um so yeah so. Um, that was but yeah it was a really really good experience and yeah I've learned a lot from it so yeah I am um, currently on a break a little bit but I I am looking to join again uh, start getting back involved again this year probably hoping to maybe try and get some more um, organization happening within sort of sphere of, of software engineering and things like that um, which there is a real lack of so anyway enough about a socialism i'll talk a little bit about my how you know why i converted to buddhism um now there's a lot less to talk about here because i have only just recently converted but it has been a path that's you know taken you know, a long time um so like i said earlier i was i was raised muslim but um both of my parents were never that interested. My my mum was raised Christian, and she was um, uh, my mum's English, by the way. Um, I'm, I'm mixed race, so she was raised Christian. My dad was raised Muslim. Mum went through a sort of a small phase when she was about 18, 19, but she was quite interested in um, sort of different sects of Christianity. But and I think she joined the Methodist church for a while but you know eventually sort of became disillusioned with it Um, and my dad um, he was only really into Islam because of the community aspects and um, he yeah he left that um, afterwards so they were quite critical of religion so as a result I never really engaged with it much um and my experience, I think a lot of people who are religious might relate to this, you know, um, of the the experience of sort of religion being kind of like a bunch of rules that are enforced on you and not much else. And you know, at that point, you sort of you you, you don't um, you 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 end up being quite critical of it. I think a lot of people are. So you know, when I was a teenager, I sort of said, I'm, I'm I don't really identify as Muslim anymore. I don't don't really want anything to do with it. You know, and from there on, I would say I was I was an atheist. Um, but towards sort of my early twenties, um, I, I dealt with a lot of uh, uh, mental illness. You know, issues with with depression, um, and Marxism helped a lot with that. You know, the um, sort of the Marxist uh, philosophy. You know, it can be it's, it's you know very optimistic philosophy, but. Still, you know, I think Marxism can lack answers to more uh, fundamental questions of things like why why are we here? You know, what's what's the purpose of of you know humanity? You know, what's what's you know what's what's the ide- ideal way of living? Um, it does touch upon it sometimes, but you know, ultimately, obviously, socialist theories based on socialism and you know uh, political structures and you know uh, the next stage of, of human history so um doesn't have much to, to say about these things um you know so i knew i had this this longing for some form of spirituality or some form of, of guiding path so i began researching you know uh, in my spare time and i researched um i considered everything from you know the catholicism the quakers islam again uh judaism um, I went into the I went into the occult. You know, I studied I studied a lot, a little bit of the occult. Um, got into got into Satanism a little bit, um, which I, I know, might make some people laugh. Um, because it's quite it's quite the opposite of Marxism. Um, but you know, I was I. That's really the reason I I struggled a lot with it because you know it's quite an individualistic uh, religion. So yeah, I had, I had a lot of difficulties um, because I you know very strongly held these Marxist beliefs, but a lot of religions do clash um a little bit, or at least on the surface, they seem to clash with with Marxism. Um so yeah, so I, I was I was trying to I was finding it hard to reconcile a lot of a lot of religious philosophy. And I think the issue with a lot of religious philosophy, and it's not wholly true, um, but I feel like there's a lot of um, it, it, you, you, when you first engage with it, it starts off with a lot of uh, with the concept of God or some sort of, you know, what I'd say is more more idealistic stage of philosophy as in you know the the, the philosophical philosophical school of idealism and. Um, you know, it, it sort of takes it, you know, it presents it as as being sort of true from a stamp, you know, uh, from a starting point. Uh, so I obviously I was already struggling with that, you know, because I didn't really believe in God at that time. Um, but, yeah, eventually I came across a book on on uh, Tantra the, um, you know, ancient um Buddhist Hindu Hindu system of spirituality um specifically it's it's a really good book called um Agora I do recommend it um to anyone who's interested in in Indian religion um it's about it's a it's the life of um an Agori from uh India and he he did touch about on on Buddhism a little bit so I thought, oh, I didn't realize you know there was there was there's such a thing as tantric Buddhism and I didn't realize I didn't know much about Buddhism. I hadn't, you know, all I knew about Buddhism at the time was was fasting monks, and I didn't really have much of an opinion. Um, but then I started looking into it, and I was amazed, you know, uh, at how what Buddhist philosophy was. You know, it's it's very very different to what I imagined it to be. It's, um, first of all, how much of it aligned with my with my views at the time, um, and it's very. Um, I don't want to say other religions aren't rational and logical, because they they are. There's been loads of rational philosophy, especially in like Christianity, but it is, you know, from the from the from you know, the surface level, as soon as you engage with it, it's it's very concrete, it's, it's very rational, very logical, works from the ground up. You know, it says, you know, it, um the Buddha, you know, specifically worked from what you could already know and verify, um, you know, uh, uh, right now in front of you, and then work from there, and um, you know. So I was, I was like, so you know, I'm, I'm reading up, and I'm reading up about you know, dependent origination. I'm like, yes, this makes sense because, of course, the world does, you know, well, I like, you know, it's, it's obvious. We know now, you know, that say the human body is made up of cells, which are made up of proteins, which are made up of atoms. Of course, you know yeah that does make sense, and you know, um and even you know and then that led to you know like reincarnation making sense to me. um the other thing is Buddhism is not really, I think very similarly to Marxism. It's not really focused on metaphysics. I mean it it does exist, you know uh, the Buddha and and Buddhist yeah, Buddhist thought does have strong opinions on metaphysics, but it's mainly focused on what you can do practically. To end your suffering and the suffering of others and it gives you a lot of practical advice on you know how to how to how to make your life better through you know meditation through mindfulness and you know that's that's worked for me um you know i was already you know dealing with mental illness i was already practicing some forms of mindfulness i was already practicing meditation at the time so i already knew the stuff worked and you know buddhism just sort of um helped with that um i just want to say just want to stress again you know um i don't think buddhism is like better than any other religion i'm just particularly passionate about it that's why i talk about it so great um i i strongly believe you know whatever religion you follow um is is the right one for you and all religions you know have have um a, you know, good and and truth in them, um, and really encourage everyone to to follow what what they feel best. But um, you know, for, you know, if that um, if you enjoy sort of that sort of thing, that you know, um, rationality and the logical side of of philosophy, then you know, Buddhism makes a lot of sense. So, oops, so spoiler <laughs> um so brief so I'll just talk a little bit about the history of Buddhism and socialism um I just want to say I'm not I'm not an expert on on these things um I've, I've you know I did a lot of the research when I was coming up with the presentation for this I'm not an academic but um it is interesting definitely please look into it um first thing I want to say is that um I don't believe any religion is inherently any kind of uh follows any sort of politics um there's no sort of inherently socialistic you can find socialistic aspects in a lot of religions um and all forms of politics you know i've, I've used religion to put, push certain agendas certain goals you know um buddhism um has been used both for sort of liberal movements it's definitely been used for fascist movements you know we, we know about um japan and and The issues, uh, the genocides on on the Rohingya Muslims, which are a real shame and um, not completely condemned. So you know, um, I'm I'm not going to say that Buddhism is inherently socialistic, but it is interesting at um, the 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 sort of history behind the relationship and of socialism Buddhism because it has overlapped more than you would expect. Um, However, (laughs) unfortunately, it has. But most of socialist history, um, Buddhists and socialists have been, you know, um, have clashed a lot. Um, I think um, a lot of a lot of socialists have been anti-religion, especially in the past, and it makes sense because you know this was in times when religion was often very much tied in with with the government. You know, um, uh, socialists across Europe were very. Um critical of the church, for example. Um, so you know, it makes sense that socialists in the east would also be very critical of, of Buddhist institutions who might have been um in line with the government. Um, you know, so it was it was definitely seen as sort of an, a sign of of you know an outdated view or culture, which you know a lot of these socialist movements in the east wanted to want to get rid of. However, it's also interesting to know that um with a lot of the anti-colonial movements you'd find in in east asia southeast asia you would find a lot of occasionally buddhist and socialist syntheses mainly because um sometimes because buddhism was seen as kind of like an indigenous religion maybe it was it was tied in with sort of the national culture which people wanted to preserve um you know they might be using it as as a sort of like look buddhism's more naturally you know works with our our you know anti-colonial move our independence movement as opposed to something like christianity which was often seen as as the religion of of colonizers um or a foreign religion um so there were you know there were these these cases where where buddhists and socialists you know um, did come together so yeah so i've got a few you can see on the background there um yes that is the Dalai Lama his holiness um we've also got um an Yong-un and Ambedkar, who's a, who's a particular interest of mine. Um, first, I'm going to talk about um, Genden Peljidin. Um, I might be saying that wrong, but he was the first president. So he, I think he's the first case of where you would have Buddhism and socialism start to come together. And he was the first president of the Mongolian People's Republic and he was an adamant, he was a staunch Buddhist himself. Ultimately, he would get purged um, in the 30s um, f- um, after being asked by the Soviet government to liquidate Buddhist institutions at the time, um, which he which he fought against. Um, so he would he would be replaced from office and then unfortunately executed in, in the purges. Um, however, you know, he 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 you know he was he was quoted as saying that he Said that I think Lenin and Buddha were some of the greatest geniuses in history. So, you know, he definitely held both in, in high esteem. Um, I think going going on, then I think the most sort of notable after him would be um Ambedkar. Um so if you don't know him, he was a major um figure in the uh Indian uh sort of independence movement um and particularly he was from the you know um lower castes um uh, from the Dalit caste so you know a big part of his struggle was also fighting against the caste system and um he um so he he, you know he talked a lot about religion you know um during his time he, he explored a lot of religions and he thought religion would be a way to um uh, sort of help use could be could be used as a tool to uh fight against the caste system you know he saw hinduism as, as not being useful for for dalits anymore um so eventually settled on on buddhism um convert to buddhism and he did a a lot, of, a lot of, as close to probably heresies you can get in buddhism he um started a, a form of buddhism called navayana it's very partly sort of a lot of people a lot of Buddhists with a lot of different opinions on it but it is very interesting nonetheless and he sort of um uh, changed a lot of the a lot of the um fundamentals of, of Buddhism to be about um so he said you know suffering comes about as, as part of class struggle rather than desire you know one of the one of the four noble truths um he rewrote a lot of the um history of the buddha but um in the of, i think it was jefferson who rewrote the bible he did like a, a rational version of the bible um so he did something similar with the buddha's life story um did a very um sort of got rid of all the supernatural elements and told it very plainly um but yeah, he's, I mean, you know, despite what many people might believe about him, he's, you know, probably the biggest uh, reason that Buddhism has had its revival in India. Um, you know, majority have, of the Buddhists in India are, you know, followers of Ambedkar. And he was also, you know, very much influenced by Marx as well. Um, he wrote a very interesting piece of work called um, uh, Buddha Marx, uh, or I think it was Karl Marx and the Buddha, um, which is you know I really recommend to everyone. Very interesting if you want to learn more about him. Um, he did settle on on Buddhism in the end, but um, you, you know he's always been definitely was a socialist, like many many sort of the of the Indian nationalists were at the time. And then also interesting to note is is Han Yong Un. He was a sort of big figure in the korean independence movement um you know during the time they were being occupied by japan um and he definitely tried to you know he was very much involved in the socialist movement and uh tried to synthesize you know he saw it as very very natural to merge the two together um so yeah he 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 tried to you know a lot of a lot of the socialists were quite critical of Buddhism at the time, but he was trying to, you know, he he sent a lot of letters out saying actually, you know, ideally Buddhism, you know, and refuted a lot of, a lot of what they said and said, you know, ideally, you know, if we really did enact Buddhism properly, you know, it would be socialistic, you know, it, it teaches um, you know, non-attachment, you know, um, ending suffering, you know, so of course it, it goes hand in hand. Um and then Jiro Seno, um I think that's how I pronounce it, um, was also an um, uh, interesting figure in Japan. He wasn't really influenced by Marxism, but he created a sect of Buddhism um, which advocated for creating what he called a pure land in this world, um, kind of, I think, similar to sort of maybe like Quaker ideas of sort of heaven on, you know, Building the kingdom of God on Earth, sort of thing, um, which he said would you know would be uh, you know anti-capitalist or would be socialist in some form, um, and would unfortunately end up being um, arrested and, and sort of tortured by the by the imperial government for promoting this this um, sort of Buddhist socialism, and then also it's probably worth mentioning. Um, the Buddhist Socialist Party in in Burma, who who sort of created a, a synthesis of, of Buddhism and socialism, but I am hesitant to sort of really say they were sort of socialist. I think um, they they uh, sort of persecuted and and fought a lot with the um, Communist Party during during liberation there, and of course they are currently the ruling party in 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 uh, Burma. Um, you know and. You know uh, the sort of result of um, all the issues going on there. So I think they've any sort of socialist uh, um, ideals they may have may have followed. I think uh, don't really exist these days. And then I think finally is I'd like to talk a little bit about the Dalai Lama because his you know His Holiness the Dalai Lama he's he's quite interesting to me. um, Quite contentious amongst a lot of communists. and it's, I think a lot of people are quite surprised when they find out. You know, when I say he's he's a socialist, but he has himself many times described himself as half Marxist, half Buddhist. He says that um, socialism is, a, is is you know Marxism is founded on moral you know, good morals and ethics. Um, he's even apparently referred to um, uh, Mao Zedong as his as his grandfather, as like a grandfather to him. You know, they did they did meet, which I know is quite probably quite surprising. Um, he does however believe that the USSR and, and other socialist countries were not true socialism and you know he sort of advocates for more of more of a peaceful sort of reformist method, but he does describe himself as Marxist um I'm still sort of I, I, I don't know what to think of, of of him in terms of his political beliefs um but I think he's he's, he's really interesting to sort of learn about at the moment because. You know he's he's definitely in terms of a modern day example of of, a, of you know someone who's who's merging Marxist and, and Buddhist thought. You know he's he's one of the main contenders really. Um, so yeah, and I think in general, I mean um, there might there's a lot of people who haven't you know like um, a lot of notable Buddhist figures who may not have been outwardly socialist but there's definitely been many who have been critical of capitalism um you know a lot of the um you know uh, in my time listening to a lot of um tibetan lamas, um you know a lot of them generally are very critical of of how capitalism you know occurs in the west you know because it, it doesn't you know uh rely on Promoting greed and mindless consumption, which you know are antithetical to a lot, of, a lot of Buddhist ideas. So it is. I think it's quite interesting how many of them are. Obviously, not all of them, but you know, um, uh, I think Zongzha uh, Katenserimpa Rinpoche, for example, you know, he's he's quite critical. Um, so yeah, and then you've obviously you've had figures like Han who you know have been very engaged and quite. I'd say, socialistic in their approach um, when it's, you know, coming into practical, in the practice of Buddhism. Um, so yeah, so there's, there's been a lot of interesting examples of, of uh, Buddhism and socialism colliding in the past. Um, so you're probably thinking, what do I think You know, as, as someone who is a socialist and a Buddhist? Um, so I made a handy graphic. Uh, made this a while back and yeah that's all i have to say really Uh, i'm only joking i've got actual ideas um so my own opinion is um i think i think fundamentally they are you know the different philosophies i don't i'm not you know like i said earlier buddhism is not inherently Socialistic or anything like that, because it, it's not really answering the same question as Marxism. Marxism is you know ask, is is trying to figure out why uh, human history is the way it is, um, and uh, you know how can what's the best way of um, creating revolution. Buddhism is trying to answer the question about human suffering, and you know what's the how's the you know what's the best way to reach the truth of of the you know of of the universe of reality. But it's quite interesting that they kind of somehow answer the same questions I'd say about human suffering, uh, but from different ends. Marxism is is a materialist philosophy, so it it says, you know, we must rely on the world around us uh, and study that to, you know, if we want to end human suffering, that's how we end class struggle. Whereas Buddhism says, you know, we need to look to our ideas and inwardly. Um, But both of them both say, you know, both are... um, uh, just as important so um you know buddhism says you know ideas affect the material world and the material world affects your ideas marxism says the material world affects ideas and then your ideas affect the material world so i think there is a lot of similarity in terms of the sort of dialectical aspects of of both both philosophies i think also when you when you're talking about when you're going on to sort of uh, mahayana philosophy um you know, when we're talking about um, bodhisattvas and, and the bodhisattva vow exactly, you know, you're talking about ending other people's suffering, you know, this idea of ending the aspect of the self and things like that, um, which, you know, if you're ending, or if you're going out to end other people's suffering, you know, to me, that it just seems like, obviously, that would also involve, um, you know, ending the, uh, systems that cause suffering you know ending things you know inequality poverty um you know imperialism oppression that's you know it seems to go hand in hand and i think a lot of other buddhists also agree you know hence why we've got an engaged buddhist movement these days you know hence why you know we we had people like Thich Nhat Hanh with his ideas um so i think that you know that i think naturally i think you would you would end up with some sort of socialist ideas from that um and then i'd like to yeah just talk about engaged buddhism i think you know that also provides a good template of you know how buddhism can share a lot in common with with socialism you know buddhism says that you know it's not enough just sitting in a monastery um and you know this is goes all the way back to the buddha himself you know the whole aspect of of the community of monks is they were meant to serve the community around them and then in in return they were looked after by the community you know um might not necessarily work that way across the whole world but you know engaged buddhism is is definitely a sort of a revival of that you know and it's saying look you know to be a good buddhist it's not enough to just meditate and and practice mindfulness you need to go out and and help other people you need to help you know um, whether that is you know just teaching them mindfulness or whether that's physically helping them you know with with uh giving them providing them shelter and food and you know and you know fighting against oppression um i think ultimately you know um my own uh, sort of view when it comes to just in generally spirituality. I think you know, capitalism just does not provide a uh, good environment or it, it you know it actively inhibits spiritual practice. I you know, I, I definitely see that you know, I think a lot of um, religious organizations these days tend to suffer from this, you know they they've lost a lot of the spiritual aspects um and tend to focus more on, on things like on on the politics or just you know material you know material aspects and they have forgotten you know i think this is why a lot of people are increasingly becoming sort of atheistic in the west because um you know it's not really religion is, is failing to answer a lot of their questions now um uh and, you know how can you how can you be a spiritual person you know how can you find yourself you know freeing yourself um from attachment to you know material world when you know capitalism requires us to all it's constantly encouraging us to mindlessly spend mindlessly exploit each other and you know it's it's, it's isolating us from each other you know so it, it's it's not really you know it's it's very difficult to be spiritual um under capitalism i think so i think ultimately you know um might be a bit controversial to say but i think you know if ideally if you if you believe in a you know a world of um spiritual freedom and where everyone is free to to practice spiritual spirituality and you want the whole of humanity to develop themselves spiritually you know we need socialism we 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 can't have a world where people are us you know fighting every day to um you know, access basic needs. You know, who are constantly being exploited. Where you know everything is designed for profit. You know, that's not conducive. You know, if, if, if that's all we're focused on, we don't have time for for spirituality. Um. So you know that last that last line is because you know I I'm very much inspired by a lot that well, a lot of the stories of sort of ancient India where you know you had, um, you know yogis, you know you know a lot of you know people who would just wander india um you know debating each other coming up with you know philosophy and you know would start the foundations of things of maths and science and i see socialism as a path to you know creating a world where everyone you know that that idea of the sort of the philosopher king that, that plato had but i think you know all of us can could be that and i think you know when we live in a world without a class system i think you know all that's left and all our needs are met all that's left is um you know to pursue philosophy science you know to develop ourselves and to um seek knowledge and you know buddhism is just one one of the many tools that you know can could could promote this or could could work in a socialist society so yeah um so that's all I have to say, for the time being, um, we've got quite a small group today, so um, you know, I was, I really want to have some sort of discussion. So, um, are there any questions? You know, please feel free to ask. I think Ember um, is probably reading the chat at the moment.
0: Yeah, I before before we open, because I I wanted to toss a question for myself before I turn off like the recording. Absol- uh, absolutely, absolutely, folks, folks, freely ask, but no, um as as you're talking especially at the end there about um you know the the capitalism doesn't doesn't truly give space for for spirituality it got me thinking about how spirituality is so commodified under capitalism um and like absolutely
1: and i think you know as a buddhist i think a lot of Buddhists really struggle with this um you know i i really i've i've bought um, i've actually um bought malas you know um, for for those of you who don't know and they've you know i've got them in the mail i'm like oh this is actually not conducive for. <laughs> it's just meant to be worn as like jewelry and like that's not the point of these things it's actually quite offensive really you know that this you know something that's meant to be a spiritual aid is, is not even conducive for that you know it's just meant to give you a sort of spiritual aesthetic yeah i think it's, there's a real issue with that and um you know right. um it's, it's i think you know i think a lot of i really encourage religious people to you know to to fight against it and you know encourage you know right. sorry i'm <laughs> rambling a little bit no, so you're good. Well, no i
0: i no, i think uh, like it makes me think about um the commodification of yoga it makes me think you know, i say that as somebody who has you know a certified
1: yes. a yoga yeah. teacher
0: training certificate um and uh, but also like the context of like businesses that send like their like their executives on like Buddhist retreats because like you need this to be like a good executive like um it's it's amazing how capitalism will find a way to to commodify literally anything
1: I was initially ironically very very against meditation you know I you know when, when I was dealing with depression I'd loads of people say try meditation try meditation and you know I rolled my eyes and just like you know, it's, it's one of those things you get you get told loads um you know any anyone who's gone through something similar can relate and I actually did meditation for different reasons I did meditation because um I wanted to improve like my concentration and, and things like that um rather than you know to sort of alleviate any mental illness um but yeah the way meditation is you know, when you actually read Buddhist philosophy meditation is is very different it's not just about relaxing yourself it's about it's a tool for knowledge and 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 in fact i've i've had people say the opposite to me like don't if you if you're suffering from de- severe depression or anxiety um don't meditate because it can make things worse you know if you're doing it properly it can really actually make things worse um because it's not meant to be a a tool about relaxing yourself or i don't know making being better at your job or something like that you know ideally if med- you know if meditation's working in the buddhist sense you should be rubbish at your job you should be quitting your job and wanting to go and live in the mountains or something like that oh, i don't know you know you, you shouldn't be caring about your job it's quite interesting actually because there are studies now saying that um people practicing meditation at work are now actually having less interest in in their jobs um you know you're practicing mindfulness so you know yeah he's kind of shooting himself in the foot there
0: right well and i'll echo i saw it in the chat you know someone said it's it's life changing and i yeah i agree when done when done well it's not always gonna make you feel better but it'll help you be better um so yeah i'm exactly. gonna go ahead I'm going to go ahead and uh, we'll wrap up our YouTube recording here. So I'm going to hit stop on that. Thank you if you've joined us on the later recordings.